Grace and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The word from God through which the Holy Spirit prepares our hearts for Jesus is Luke chapter 3, verses 7 through 18, the gospel for today. Therefore he was saying to the crowds who came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore... Produce fruit that measures up to repentance, and don't begin to say to yourself, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God can raise up children for Abraham from these stones. Moreover, the axe as well already lies at the foot of the tree, so every tree not producing good fruit is cut down and thrown into fire. The crowds were asking him, So what should we do? He replied to them, Whoever has two tunics, share with him who has none, and whoever has food, do likewise. In addition, tax collectors came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what should we do? He said to them, Do not collect more than what has been commanded you. Even soldiers were asking him, What of us, what should we do? He said to them, Don't shake down others or blackmail them. Be content with your pay. Since the people were eagerly waiting and all were debating in their hearts about John, whether he might not somehow be the Christ, John answered all, I, for my part, baptize with water. But one stronger than I is coming, whose sandal lace I am not fit to untie. He will baptize in the Holy Spirit and fire. He has the winnowing fork in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the grain into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So as he encouraged many other things, he spoke the good news to the people. This is the word of our Lord. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. The trees at this time of the year are, are quite barren. No leaves, no blossoms, no fruit. Yet fruit is something that we associate with Christmas, isn't it? Fruit baskets are often given at this time of the year. An apple is, is handed out to the children after the Christmas Eve program. Fruitcake makes its rounds. And even the ornaments on a Christmas tree. The, the, the bulbs are, are vaguely reminiscent of fruit hanging from branches. We see these images of fruit at this time of the year. And as we take to heart these words from John the Baptist, John the Baptist too points us to fruit. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, he proclaims. And he's not only talking to the people of his day, he's talking to you and me as well, dear friends. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. For you see, a faith-filled heart, your faith-filled heart, produces a fruit-filled life. That's the theme we focus on this morning. And this fruit, this fruit is genuine fruit, rooted in Christ. That's part one. And it's authentic fruit connected with where God has placed you in life. That's part two. Through these words of the Holy Spirit recorded in Scripture, may the Holy Spirit work in you more and more so that we produce that fruit from faith-filled hearts. 
Now, as John preached here, he certainly didn't mince words, did he? He didn't cave in to political correctness even when he was thrown into prison and later beheaded for confronting Herod Antipas with his sinful marriage. And likewise, he doesn't uh, tailor his message to curry the people's favor. You know, how many today would tune in to someone who was saying, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? John, John forcefully confronted people with their sins. And his words confront you and me today. For you see, our hearts can only be prepared to worship our Savior when we see just how much we need that Savior. Paul's words confront us with our sins even if our ears itch to hear some self-feel-good uh, piffle instead. Uh, John's words confront us. What fruit are you producing? They call out to us. We begin our worship regularly with a confession of sins, don't we? Just as John called the people to see their sins, so we confess our sins. And yet, are those words sometimes just, just empty words to use? Uh, the routine that we go through? Or do they even at times seem like a negative? Even something embarrassing? Why, why begin our worship with, with such, such a downer? People want to hear about love, joy, and peace at this time of the year, not about sin. But before we can worship Jesus as our Savior from sin, we must realize deep down just how much we need Him, how lost and helpless we are without Him. For you see, only the lost need a Savior. Only the helpless need to be saved. So John confronts us with our sin. We can see John knocking out from underneath us whatever we might want to lean on instead of the Savior. Do we want to rest on our laurels? Do we want to rest on the fact that I've been baptized? I've been confirmed. I belong to a, a Bible-based church. I know I'm saved by grace alone, so why not just take life easy, coast along, blend in with society? No, there were many in John's day that felt the same way. They thought they had it made. They were born into the right family group, into Abraham's family line, and God had made his promises to Abraham years ago. They had it made. They figured they could coast along. But what does John say to them? Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The only kind of coasting in your faith that works is when you're coasting downhill into hell. Who but the ancient viper himself would lead us to think that we could coast along in order to flee from the coming wrath. And if you're thinking, yes, Pastor, you're right. I, I should get around to it. I should, should think more about the fruit that I, I can be producing in my life. But, but I, I'm so busy now. I'll get to that later. Listen to what John says. I tell you, uh, the axe is already at the root of the tree. 
Death can strike at any time. And then the unfruitful tree has only the fire of hell awaiting it. And if you're thinking, well, you know, I haven't done anything that bad, well, that still leaves you as a barren tree. And what does John say about that kind of tree? And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. You and I, we need a Savior. John was not that Savior, but he pointed to the one and only Savior. He pointed to that Savior as he says here, as he preaches, I baptize you with water. But one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John was a sinner, just like you and me. He could not save anyone, not even himself. But he pointed us, he pointed us, he points us to the one who can save, the coming one who had the power to save because he was more than just a man. He was also God himself. That's why even John was not worthy to untie the sandals of the coming one. The coming one had the power to save. And he would demonstrate that power like Christians today, John only had the power to put water on someone's head when he baptized. But the coming one would baptize with the Holy Spirit. That's why when that water is connected with God's word, whether in John's day or our day, that, that, that changes hearts. It's not in the power of the pastor or in the power of the water, but in the power of Jesus who through that sacred act of baptism pours out his Holy Spirit. Yes, he does that through that washing of water with that word, that washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit as the scriptures declare. There, there you have evidence that Jesus has come and has, has worked out our salvation, that he is the one that saves, as John pointed out. Or, or, or think of Pentecost. When Jesus poured out the Holy Spirit and tongues of fire on his disciples, and when he gave the Holy Spirit to those who heard the preaching of Peter and were baptized so that they too believed, there you too have proof that Jesus is that coming one, that Jesus of Nazareth is the Christ whom John pointed to, the only Savior, that he has come and completed his work of redemption that his holy blood has paid the ransom for you. Only Jesus saves. And he is coming again, isn't he? As John points out here, he is coming again to bring us, his people, into his heavenly barn. John says, his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. That is his plan and purpose for you, dear friends for all who trust in him with a faith-filled heart, a heart that clings to Jesus, a heart that knows him as their Savior. He is coming to bring us to his heavenly heart. It's our, our heavenly home. That's what he has done for you. You, dear friend, have been washed 
with Jesus' blood. He has come. He has poured out his Holy Spirit on you through baptism. He has taken away your sin. And he has filled your heart with faith. So produce that fruit. For produce that genuine fruit that is rooted in Christ that knows and believes and trusts in what Jesus has done for you. For you see, there is a lot of fake fruit out there too. Things that, that look good on the outside and maybe even feel good on the inside, but they are not rooted in Christ. Maybe people do them out of guilt or in order to look good for others or trying to earn God's favor or the desire to, to improve the human situation of humankind. Those aren't rooted in Christ. Those are not genuine fruit. They're, they're fake fruit. That even though they may look good, God knows them to be the dead plastic that they are. But you, dear friends, you have a faith-filled heart. Your faith-filled heart produces this genuine fruit that is rooted in Christ, that, that grows out of faith in Him. For that is the kind of fruit that, that, that measures up to repentance, that, that, that is connected with repentance. So you see, repentance, seeing the terror of our sins, rejoices in the forgiveness that comes through Jesus. Repentance clings to the testimony of John the Baptist when he, he points out and says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Repentance confesses that Jesus of Nazareth is God's Son, my Savior, I am forgiven. Repentance is faith. Faith that trusts in Jesus for forgiveness. Faith that is rooted in Christ, drinking in His blood, rejoicing in His good news, cherishing His forgiveness. Your faith-filled heart produces a fruit-filled life. A life that is filled with genuine fruit rooted in Christ. For dear friends, Jesus is your Savior. You are forgiven. For He has poured out His Holy Spirit on you and filled your heart with faith. So produce a fruit-filled life. And what is that fruit? What is that fruit that, that flows from faith in Christ? Well, the people asked John that as well, didn't they? And, and John answers them. The man with two tunics should share with him who has none. And the one who has food should do the same. Show love and kindness. You know, Jesus said the same thing when he summarized it this way. Love your neighbor as yourself in Matthew 22. Love does what is best for others. And, and notice how, how this is not simply talking about doing good. John points to action. Love acts. For you see, we know the great love our God has shown to us. Our faith-filled heart knows that the Father has sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And therefore, through our acts of kindness and love. We want others to experience God's love so that they too praise our Father in heaven. That's what authentic fruit is. Authentic fruit are good deeds 
that aim to lead others to glorify our Heavenly Father who gave us His Son as our Savior. And that fruit, exactly what that fruit is in your life, will, will vary depending on, on the situation you are in. Notice how, how different groups came to John and, and he gave them specific fruits that would be appropriate for their God-given roles in life. For example, when the tax collectors asked, John said, don't collect any more than you are required to. And when the soldiers asked, he said, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. You notice how John didn't say to them, come out into the desert with me and wear camel's hair and eat locusts and wild honey like I do. No. Authentic fruit are the good deeds that, that are appropriate for the, 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 the place God has put us in. The authentic fruit is connected with our place in life. And that's developed here as well when we, we think about that. A faith-filled heart doesn't speculate and say, oh, I could be serving God so much better and producing so much other kind of fruit if only I were such and such. No, that faith-filled heart says, I see where God has placed me. How can I serve my God here? And then that heart looks to the good and the kindness it can show to others. What, what you find as the fruit for you to do in your specific place and position in life will, will vary a bit, but we can draw some generality from what John says here. We see that authentic fruit that John is, is, is preaching about here, that this authentic fruit is connected to their place in life, and it does what is kind and right and honest and good, even when everyone else in that position doesn't do it. You know, just to think about that. All the tax collectors overcharged people, that's what made it worthwhile having such a hated job. And why risk your life as a soldier if you couldn't get some extra benefits out of people by, by uh, slandering them or extorting money out of them? But John says, no. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. A faith-filled heart produces a fruit-filled life. It follows God and not the crowd. Think of how that applies to you in your specific position in life. Are you a parent? You know how important God's word is. Yet many others out there will say you, you, other things should come first, that, that whether it's sports or entertainment or work or family, but produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Place God's word first for yourself. Are you a child? Sometimes complaining about your parents seems to be the cruel thing to do. But produce fruit in keeping with repentance, even if that's what the other children do. Because as you produce fruit in keeping with repentance, you see that, that, that your parents are a gift to you from God. And that we honor and respect them, even when they may not be fair even when they may make mistakes. That's the fruit. Are you an employer? And treat your employees fairly, not using them as stepping stones. If you can get ahead in the world and leave them behind, remember what John said to the tax collectors there. And are you a worker? And be content with your pay like John told the soldiers. 
because you know that you have a Father in heaven who will take care of you. That's truth from a faith-filled heart. Are you tempted to, to cheat the government? You know, fudge on the form, gaming the system, paying cash under the table. Maybe everyone else might seem to do that, and that seems to be a general practice sometimes, so that we make it through this world, but deal honestly and fairly with everyone, even with the government. Because that's the truth that flows from a faith-filled heart. Your faith-filled heart produces a truth-filled life. Think of that. When you bite into an apple or peel an orange, it's Christmas season and then put those thoughts into action. Genuine fruit is rooted in Christ, flowing from that, that, that good news that knows that Jesus has taken away our sins and produced authentic fruit. That serve your God by looking at where he has placed you in life and showing kindness to those around you so that they too praise your Father in heaven. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. For you know that good news the angels proclaim. Today in the town of David, a Savior is born for you. He is Christ the Lord. What a reason for truth, truth, genuine, authentic truth. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.